Good morning, Fitzroy. And here we are for our online service again. And thank you again for uh, tuning in wherever you are in the world and whatever stage you are in your week. And uh, as I watch the figures, as they come into YouTube, uh, you're listening quite far into the week and maybe some people are listening twice and that, that's really encouraging. And just to say that as Fitzroy intends to go back to gatherings over the next number of weeks, um, online's not going to change pretty much at all. So if you're online and you're somewhere else in the world, you're going to be able to get us. And if you're a Fitzroy person and uh, you feel that it's not time to come back, then it will be online uh, as usual. One of the things, though, that we've lost over the summer because just, um, I think, space, time and energy um, was Good Morning Fitzroy, where members of the congregation or some of those associate members from around the world were able to just send us on uh, just an iPhone landscape uh, a little greeting. Good morning, Fitzroy. Um, we are the such and suches from such and such, and we love watching online. Good morning, Fitzroy's. We're going to ask you to send some of those in, and then we'll use them over the course of the next number of weeks. So if you could um, uh, send them. Now, th there's the thing. I'm, I'm asking you to send them in, but I'm not telling you where to send them in to. So if you could send them in to Roberta at Fitzroy.org.uk. Fitzroy at Roberta at Fitzroy org.uk then over the course of the next number of weeks we'll have some of you welcoming us to the service on a Sunday can I just say again no offering plate for six uh, months we're not just as bad as the football league who are losing 150 million because they haven't had crowds per week we are losing significantly less than that but we're obviously losing because there's no plate uh, if you give a direct debit that's not a problem but some of you who still give by envelopes or some of you who may be listening around the world and want to contribute and we're so thankful to so many of you who have then if you go on the website there are ways to uh, give an offering give part of your tithe to Fitzroy um, as we go forward. Um, we are going to try and come back um, to church. I'm not going to give you a date just yet because we're still looking at health and safety. We're still looking at all the things that are going to have to take place before that happens, but it will be soon. And we want to thank you for the emails you sent last week, Roberta at Fitzroy.org.uk. Um, so many of you wrote, and the wonderful thing about the emails that we got last week were that we didn't only get emails from people who were saying they were coming back, but we got emails from people who said they weren't coming back. And that allowed particularly Roberta this week to, to look at all the possibilities of could we meet in one week and how we could put people into bubbles and all the things that are going to be necessary to maximise um, the limited space we have. And it looks at the moment that we can get you all in in one week because so many people are still not quite ready uh, to come back to gatherings yet. But uh, if you haven't emailed, then that's where it gets tricky for us. So if we could just give it another few days. And if you haven't emailed, some elders haven't emailed. So you're not in church at this moment in time. Don't assume because we have limited numbers. Um, so please uh, email if you want to come back to church uh, to Roberta at Fitzroy.org.uk in the next few days. And then next week we will tell you um, whether we can all come back in the same week or whether we're going to have to rotate. Um, but thank you. And uh, all those um, really good reasons for people not coming back. One of the exciting things for us, I guess, as a production team on the online services, that you do feel you're receiving uh, so much from the online services and that there's gatherings happening, though not all at once, and the uh, people are not feeling isolated and people are getting stuff online. And that's good news. But we would love to get back to gathering. We will tell you more about that next week. But in the meantime, to help us, if you want back into church gathering, then email Roberta 
at fitzroy.co.org. Roberta at fitzroy.org.uk. And that'll come up at the end of the service as well. As we meet for worship, there are many things that are going on in our lives. You're maybe a teacher or you're maybe trying to work out how to go back to church. You're maybe back at work for the first time. You're maybe taking family off to university. Uh, There's lots of things squeezing in on our lives. So as we come to God, as we come to have some sense of worshipping together, alone in our own homes or wherever we're watching this, let's just be still for a moment. Let us pray. Our God, you tell us to be still. And the psalmist was still, even though everything around the psalmist was shaken, shaking, uncertain, anxious. To be still in the midst of all that we're going through and to know that you're God. And not only are you God, but you're a God who wants to meet with us, protect us, guide us and love us through. In our online service today, in homes right across the world, as we gather together alone, we pray we would know you, Emmanuel, God with us. Help us to be still and to know that truth. In Jesus' name, amen.
Our prayers today are for community, for leaders, for people who are providing practical help and for individuals who can make a difference in their community. Uh, When I pray the Lord Almighty is with us, I would ask you to pray the God of Jacob is our fortress. Let's pray. We thank you for our leaders, for the medical, nursing, public health and civic leaders who have guided us through the past six months. For our leaders in community groups who have worked hard together to um, deliver food, prescriptions and emotional support. For our church leaders who have worked hard to maintain hope, build connections and keep us praying. May you continue to give strength and wisdom to our leaders. The Lord Almighty is with, with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. We pray for people providing practical help. We pray for the food bank in South Belfast. We thank you for this work, how it has adjusted and coped for the COVID situation. And we pray that the volunteers will still be able to support this important work. We ask for people giving financial advice, such as the CAP volunteers, as their role will become even more important over the next few months. We pray for youth and community groups trying to run programmes to help people, especially at this time with new government advice. We pray for the work of Mornington as it plans and delivers important programmes. We pray for Home Plus and others who are supporting people who are homeless and also for organisations working with ethnic minority groups. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. We pray for individuals. We pray for students in our area and other places as they start or go back to their places of learning. We thank you for the energy and dynamism they bring. We pray that there will be a sense of looking out for each other, but also for people who are vulnerable at this time. We pray for individuals, for us, for all of us as individuals, that we will hear God and play our part in how we can build your kingdom at this time and truly know how to be a good neighbour to those around us. The Lord Almighty is with us, the God of Jacob is our fortress. Amen.
The reading is Genesis 50, verses 15 to 21. Joseph reassures his brothers. When Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, What if Joseph holds a grudge against us and pays us back for all the wrongs we did to him? So they sent word to Joseph, saying, Your father left these instructions before he died. This is what you are to say to Joseph. I ask you to forgive your brothers the sins and the wrongs they committed in treating you so badly. Now please forgive the sins of the servants of the God of your father. When their message came to him, Joseph wept. His brothers then came and threw themselves down before him. We are your slaves, they said. But Joseph said to them, Don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. So then, don't be afraid. I will provide for you and your children. And he reassured them and spoke kindly to them. Forty years ago this week, I got into a car with my parents and travelled to become a student uh, in Sunderland. Those were the days of polytechnics. And the, the truth of the matter was, I, needless to say, didn't do as well in my A-levels as I should have or could have. I didn't get my first choice, and so I applied to all these places in clearing. Uh, Sunderland Polytech was the first one that came back. Journalism, television, that's what I wanted to be. And off I went. And in fact, the Sunday before I went, I gave the sermon um, talk to our youth fellowship that I hope it's the worst one I've ever given. Because I gave about six or seven reasons why God had told me clearly that I should go to Sunderland Polytech. So we arrived. I got my posters up in my room and tried to settle in. Uh, I remember the runaways being up there a bit risky for a Presbyterian minister um, and uh, then my parents went and did whatever they did and I bumped into a few people and got to know them and the next morning I woke up and I have to say it was the clearest sense in my life much clearer than the talk the Sunday night before that I actually wasn't in the place that God wanted me to be and that um, I should maybe go home here was the overriding thing in the whole thing I was determined in my choices to do anything that God wanted me to do except go back to school. And so in that morning in that uh, uh, residence hall in Sunderland, I realized that I needed to go back to school. And so the next day, instead of my parents leaving me and heading home alone, I was with them and I was back in school within a couple of days back to the old normal, except I wasn't. There was no way to go back to the old normal. Oh, I was back in the places that I'd been. I was back with the friends that I had, but I was not the same. Something happened in those few days that was a seismic shift in the life that I now live. What happened was when I went down that morning to tell my parents, in fear and trembling that I thought I'd made a mistake and I wanted to go home. It was a tough meeting in a car, in a car park in Sutherland. But during that meeting, 
my mother said to me, maybe you need to go home and think about the church. I'd never considered the church before. Um, I had come to faith very late on in my lower sixth year. Um, we were making decisions on careers very early in my upper sixth year. I wanted to be a journalist since ever I'd remembered. So I'd never thought of the church. But here was my mother uh, seeing something in me and saying for the very first time that she'd ever said it, that maybe I should think about the church. My father went to a telephone box, no social media or mobile phones in 1980. And uh, he phoned my headmaster because he worked with the headmaster. He was registrar in Balamine Academy, my father. And he got a meeting with the headmaster uh, the next morning at nine o'clock. And we drove home. So my father, that phone call was all that he spent with the headmaster. And the next morning at nine o'clock, I was in the headmaster's study. And within a few minutes into that conversation, the headmaster said, Steve, I've noticed a change in your life over the course of the last year. Maybe you should think about the church. And I was sitting there going, this is pretty clear guidance here. Something that was in the back of my mind, probably coming forward in my mind, had now been confirmed to me by my mother, um, who knew me reasonably well, I think. And my headmaster, who I didn't think knew me that well, but seemed to know me better than maybe I thought. So though I was back to the old normal, though I was back out of that anxiety and uncertainty of Sunderland, I had moved. God had moved in the in-between. So that though I was back the way it was in some ways, the Holy Spirit had moved me on in my life. I say all that because it seems to me that that's what I got out of one of the lectionary readings this week. It's the end of Genesis. It's Genesis chapter 50. And it's the story of Joseph. Now, Joseph is amazing. I would love to do a movie on Jacob. But if you wanted to do a follow up movie, then it's Joseph. And of course, that works perfectly. If you were uh, in the Alexander Hall last year when Desi did his introduction to Genesis in our series, How to Read the Bible, then you will realize that Genesis is this uh, book of sibling rivalry. Um, Cain and Abel and Jacob and all these Issues are going on between brothers and between families, and it's not looking good. It's messy. It's, it's, it's not good. And then we come to Joseph, and that starts badly as well. You will remember the story of Joseph where um, he was a favorite son. The other brothers don't like favorite sons. Um, he got that coat of many colors. Uh, I'm not going to break into song. And then, of course, they, they, um, they, they, they decided they would get rid of him. So they put him in a pit and they, 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 then they sold him to traders and they took the coat home with blood on it to tell the father that Joseph had gone. Pretty sordid relationship with brothers there. But Genesis finishes with the, the words that Anne read to us a little earlier. These are incredible words. These are words of redemption. These are words of forgiveness. This is Joseph who... Um, in some ways goes back to the old normal and that he re-engages with his family again, but he can't go back to the old normal because Joseph is not a moment caught in time in his childhood about being a favorite son. Joseph is a lifetime of movement and development in his own spiritual, emotional, physical circumstances, mental life. And what we have at the end of Genesis, what we have at the end of Joseph's life is this 
I think, amazing leader. Oh, to have a leader like Joseph was in our world today. He was someone who, in the movement of the Holy Spirit within his life, which he recognizes in these verses that we read, that the, the brothers wanted to do bad to him, but God had good intentions for him, not just good intentions for him, but good intentions for him so that he could be a blessing to a nation. And so what we find here is that though, so Joseph has two lives, lives. he has this life with his family. And that ends badly when he's sold into slavery. Then we find this other life, act two in the play, if you want to do it Shakespearean way, um, where he goes and he's in Pharaoh's house. And then, of course, Pharaoh's wife tries to seduce him. He ends up in prison, but then he ends up as the prime minister and all of that stuff that he ends up. And then suddenly at the end of act two, um, he goes back to the first life. The first life re-enters his life. It's almost like he goes back to the old normal. But he can't go back to the old normal because of what God has done for him in between. In between, God has made him this man of God, someone who is sensitive to others, someone who has empathy to other human beings, someone who wants to rule not over people, but to bless other people. Someone who's matured in all his human development so that he could be this amazing leader, not only in the time that he lived in, but as a witness, as a star in the sky, star in the sky, as we talked about last night, for us all these thousands of years later. And so we have this moment of literal redemption. We have this moment at the end of the first book of the Bible, which tells us a lot about the rest of the Bible. It's people messing up. It's people doing really wrong things. It's people breaking relationships who are restored by a scandalous radical forgiveness and a grace that we will see develop through the pages of the Bible. Joseph showing forgiveness to his brothers who are rightfully and feel they deserve his judgment. He forgives them. He forgives them. Because when he goes back to the old normal of family life, the movement in between has changed him. That, I think, is quite crucial to all of our lives. 25 years ago, um, is it 25 years ago? Uh, I think it's 25 years ago. I can't believe that. I welcomed the first uh, new students into Derevolgi Hall. Now, we, we opened in January 1995 but we didn't get opening in where we should have in September 94 because there was a bomb in the old army base and uh, the building got damaged so we started the first year with just a few students so the first year of intake was 95 and very soon those weekends where students arrived at Derevolgi Hall became precious and Lynn my assistant from about 2000 on uh, who's still the assistant to Dave um, Lynn Lynn and I would go through all the application forms. We would find out where these students that were arriving were from. We would look at their photographs and learn off their photographs and we would test each other. We'd say, who's that? And then when the student walked through the door, we would be able to go hand them a key and say, you're very welcome, Sandra. You're very welcome, Alison. You're very welcome, Alistair. Um, and that was a big moment because not only were they surprised we knew them, but their parents were surprised we knew them. But on one of those first weekends, really early on, I remember saying to the students, as I looked out at them on the first weekend, I remember saying to them, I'm not looking at who you are. I'm looking at who you are in this moment. And I'm trying to imagine who God's going to make you 
in the year or two years or three years that you're with us in Deravolgi Hall. And you will be a different person when you leave than the person that arrives. So I'm not going to judge you in the moment you're in now. I'm going to pray that you grow and develop and move into the potential of who God wants you to be. It was great advice for somebody trying to teach because I wasn't just talking about their next day. I was trying to put stuff into their lives that was going to be a reservoir of resources for them when they were coming to Fitzroy, some of you, all these years later. We are not who we are in the moment. Our lives are longer than that. And if we're moving forward, we move forward in God and we don't get stuck in a moment. Sorry to quote you too, but we don't get stuck in a moment that we can't get out of because the Holy Spirit doesn't want us stuck. The Holy Spirit doesn't see us as we are now. The Holy Spirit sees us with the potential that we have for tomorrow and the days that are ahead. So taking all that and putting it into these last six months. For me, that few days in Sunderland was really fast movement. I moved a lot inside in those few days where really nothing much had changed in my bedroom at home or the people that I knew in church or the surroundings of Balamina. Very little seemed to have changed. I was back in the old normal But the changes within me in those few days were seismic. I had changed direction for the rest of my life. Oh, I find it amazing that I ended up doing some radio and doing some this week. I've been on Thought for the Day, Pause for Thought, and I've written for the Belfast Telegraph. The journalism did stay within my life, but God shifted the direction of my life into doing online services in Fitzroy at a time of pandemic 40 years later. So these last six months, they have been seismic. We weren't expecting it. Life moves, but sometimes it moves really quite slowly. The last six months has seen real fast change. Um, There's change in our society. There's change in our neighborhoods. There's change in our church life. There's change within us as individuals. And what I want to say is, We don't want to go back to the old normal as it was. Some of those things, yes. We'd love to go into a, a, how would you not love to go into a shop and not have to wear a mask and have your glasses steamed up? How would you not love when something happens to be able to hug the person that you're having that moment with, whether that's a moment of grief or a moment of joy? How would you not love it if your minister got to a hairdresser, for goodness sake? We would love to go back to the old normal. But I don't think God wants us to be the same normal as we were in February or March. I think these six months have been a real learning curve for us, a real movement of the Holy Spirit within us. In church life, it's going to be different. We're going to do things differently. I don't want to lose um, a Zoom prayer meeting that we have so many people at. And we'll start that, by the way, in a couple of weeks' time. Uh, I think that in the middle of the winter, when everything around us is snowy and cold and frosty, we don't have to cancel a session meeting or a committee meeting or any other kind of meeting. We can meet online. I think that we will have online services for maybe the rest of my ministry. 
we know that because we're not going back as we were to the old normal, we're going to need new broadband in the church to be able to stream services. We might need, in fact, I think we do need new cameras and uh, all kinds of new things because as we go back to something of normal, it's not going to be the old normal. It's going to be the new normal where the Holy Spirit has been moving us forward. Joseph was moved forward. Couldn't help but think as I was preparing this of the disciples um, after the crucifixion when Jesus was in a tomb and they thought it was all over. What did they want to do? They wanted to go back to the old normal. Oh, I'm going back to Galilee to do some fishing. But they hadn't realized that in the three years with Jesus, they could never have gone back to just the fishing. Well, they didn't catch anything. The Bible doesn't claim they caught anything. There's no record of the disciples catching any fish in the old normal, but they they weren't able to go back because the changes that Jesus had made in them in those three years of profound movement, it, it wasn't going to happen. But that's what the first reaction was. Let's get back to the old normal. We want to get back to some of the old normal, but we do not want to get back as it was. And what I want to ask is, is our homework for this week is to ask yourself, what are those things that God changed within you? in this time because it would be easy as we begin to open up more and who knows that's all very uncertain as well but it would be easy to snap back into old familiarities and old routines i believe if we look that there will be things that happened to us in these six months so far that will be as seismic as those moments i had in sunderland certainly as changing within us as joseph had between being sold into slavery and forgiven as brothers. I believe that if we're following Jesus, we're not about in the moment. We're never stuck in a moment because if we're following Jesus, we're always in a movement, the movement of following, the movement of step by step growing, growing spiritually. And that then have an implications to our emotional, mental and physical lives as well. So I would like us to go back and think, what were those wee lessons that we said during this whole thing? Oh, I don't want to lose that. Or, oh, when we go back, I would really like to keep that. Is it family time? Is it the way we do our devotions with God? Uh, Were we relying on God more than we did? And did we find new ways to do that? What are the ways that God has spoken to us and challenged us and moved us? Because, yes, we want to go back into school without fearing we want our doctors to be under no pressure or less pressure we want to get back to pre-coronavirus days but we want to go back with the changes and movement that god has made within us during that time because when joseph put in the lessons of the movement into his re discovering the old normal into his uh, family coming back into his life, then the change that God made, not only in Joseph and in his family, but in the world was so incredible that thousands of years later, we used it as our sermon in Fitzroy today.
Thank you again for watching and listening to Fitzroy Online, wherever you have been in the world. After the benediction, we are going to play out with a, a sending song, a meditative song to reflect on. Um, it's a Bob Dylan song called Pressing On, and it's sung for us by Chris Taylor, who gave us these wonderful songs for the, um, the uh, light in the music of Bob Dylan that we did back uh, in June. Um, it's, a, it's just a song of journey and movement, as we have been talking about this morning. But before we listen to that and think about that and press on to a higher calling of our Lord, let's share the benediction. May we all know the duck down feathers of the Father's protective wings around us. May Jesus be a constant guide in all the difficult decisions we make. And may the Holy Spirit move in us to move us from where we are to where by grace we might be. Amen. Well, I'm pressing on Pressing on well, I'm a pressing on To the higher try to stop me shake me up in my mind say prove to me he's the Lord show me a sign what kind of sign they need when it all comes from within what's lost has been found what's to come has already been what's to come has already been Pressing on Yes, I'm a pressing on Can't turn around I'm a pressing on To the higher calling My Lord Pressing on
keep pressing on to the higher calling of my love.